Hello everyone, this is Josh. Before we get to the episode, I have a special announcement. Posture Shift is putting on what I believe is their second trans retreat. So if you are a trans Christian, non-binary, a Christian who experiences gender dysphoria, this retreat is probably for you. We know that our trans siblings do not often get spaces where they can just be together um, without also being grouped with cisgender um, individuals. And so this is a really sacred space that we want to make sure is made available to anyone who needs it. So um, if you are interested and you are trans or experience gender dysphoria or non-binary or anywhere within that spectrum of gender identity, then please contact us at our website, lifeoncdb.com, fill out the form, and we will connect you with the Posture Shift team so you can get more information. Um, This will be happening in October, so it will be happening soon, so please get in touch with us as soon as possible. And with that, we will head into the episode. Hello, hello. Hey, Henry. How are you, Becca? I am great. How are you? I am good. Just it's so good to hear your voice. Good to talk voice. to you. Yes. I know. I am just trying to survive this Texas summer heat. I mean, the whole country's like Ugh. in a massive heat wave, but like, yeah. Texas is just oppressive, I'm sure. It's unrelenting. Next Friday is going to be 116. No. Yeah. And I was you like, come on over to Tennessee. I will I volunteer right the over. volunteer state. Yeah. We will take you. <laughs> I mean, I'm just like, Lydia, I saw that yesterday and I was like, this is a joke. And I was like, okay, at some point in time, like, this is just not realistic. Like, 160 yeah, we will, degrees is not realistic. We will once again come to the rescue of our Texan siblings and y'all can just come here because it was like 67 this morning. Oh. And it was, yeah, right now it's sunny and 70. It's like, perfect weather jesus loves us kind of weather in tennessee right now what is y'all summers like do they get crazy um oppressively humid it's been high 90s over 100 like consistently throughout august which is unusual um spring lasted well like almost to the actual summer like june 21st kind of date uh which is strange for us okay so it's been a weird it stayed spring for a long time, but now it's like just now getting miserably hot for this month. Yeah. So, yeah. Gosh, it's yeah. catching up for the fact that it was pleasant it earlier was pleasant. in the summer. Yeah. yeah. I fear like we're not, we're, we're going to be this hot to like for us October. Because even in October, we have 90 degree days here in Texas. In oh, yeah. And so I'm just yeah. like, uh. But anyways, look at us just chatting like some old folks about the weather. So I know. It's great. We're so <laughs> adulting right now. I know. It's like, yeah, we've, we've had, we've had football. Okay. High school and middle school football canceled because of heat index oh wow i didn't know people in the south did that did that i know i was like that like no you just played through it you had i know they're like here just missed some water on them they'll be fine but like my nephew's game was canceled last week because the heat index was wow i've not heard that in the south actually i know look at us being responsible and caring for it that we still may have like full contact football but we at least want them to not (laughs) oh the south will never get rid of full contact football no like no, no that's not a thing people would be up in arms <laughs> yes about exactly. wanting a bunch of kids to hit them anyways it's football culture is also a very weird thing and i live in texas too and so it's just like yeah 
I, I mean, I, I support football for people and I love it as a sport for other people, but like the obsession with it is just the South is a whole other thing. It is life and family tradition. Oh, absolutely. Right. Like, yeah. Speaking anyway, of family. Speaking of family. That was, was a perfect say, segue. Wait. More constructive family activities <laughs> than uh, watching football. No, people are going to listen to that and um, they will be like, why did Beck and Henry just open this episode <laughs> with the most random weather and then A football weather show? report and a sports report. This is your life on Side B News Network. Yes. Right. So yeah, it's this episode. I'm excited to talk about it, especially with you of all the co-hosts, I think, because I think you just have a interesting perspective to add into this conversation. And yeah, this season we've been talking about reclaiming a lot of different things in the, uh, different areas of all our lives. And this episode happens to be on reclaiming family. Yeah, because for a long time, family was not a discussion that we could have as the queer community, it, mm-hmm. with the exception of being rejected by family Mm -hmm. and then came conversation about chosen family and how we find our family when we've been rejected by family of origin and things like that. And so it has been for a long time, really a, it could be a sad conversation, a traumatic conversation. And so wanting to reclaim the joy of talking about family, I think is really important Mm -hmm. um, for this, time that we're in for the generations that are coming up behind us as I once again put my old person hat on mm-hmm. um, that family shouldn't be a sad depressing traumatic conversation mm-hmm. and for so many of us it is it still is it has been um, and so there are lots of questions lots of observations and countless stories about yeah. family in the queer community so yeah What what are your first thoughts about it? Yeah, I was going to say, I want to start with the idea of some people still don't even understand or believe or know that they can reclaim family. Right. Yeah, because I mean, you know, we read these things online and various groups we're in or just even through the organization that we're involved with that we just hear so many stories about people just feeling helpless and hopeless about their family situation, just due to their family of origin. And without even realizing that like option is like, Hey, you get to reclaim and remake your family in ways that are beneficial and that serve you and that don't harm you. And I, because the church, uh, the big C church, specifically the American church has made such an idol out of the nuclear family. Right. And, What's a nuclear family is great. Don't hear me say it's not. And I think it's a God given and it's wonderful. Every time I say that, people are like, oh my God, he doesn't like the nuclear family. I was like, calm down. That's right. But, um, but for some of that, that's some of us, that's just not an option. But I, a lot of things, a lot of us that I see haven't even gotten to the point where they understand that they can reclaim family. Right. Um, so I guess if we were to start, why don't we start with just what family means to you or what it meant to you growing up and what it means to you now. And I guess I'll go the same. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. that sounds great. Yeah. Family has always been um, a big deal to my nuclear, my biological family. Mm -hmm. Um, We grew up in Appalachia, my mom's side of the family. So like Southeast Tennessee up in the mountains Mm -hmm. and family was literally your means of survival. 
Yeah. And so that has always been such a huge part of what we were taught growing up yeah. of your family is all you have and you treat your family. They are friends. You are loyal to one another. You care for one another. You look out for one another mm -hmm. because at the end of the day, family is all you have. Mm -hmm. um, and so that has been a huge part of like our family narrative. And we joke sometimes that it sounds like the mafia, um, the way the way my mom talks about family, because it's like once you are a part of the family, you are a part of the yeah. family. And it's like that capital T, capital F, the family. Yeah. Um, but the cool thing about it is that our understanding of family was not exclusionary. Like here is the biological family. This is this core group. And also it's anybody else who needs family. Mm -hmm. And so from my earliest memories, there were always other people at our house. Mm -hmm. um, people that were having a hard time, were down on their luck, somebody that they just needed someone else to keep their kid for a couple of months while they got back on their feet. Uh, my parents were foster parents. And so we had 14 kids come through oh, wow. the house anywhere from like, three months to seven years before we adopted my younger sister. Oh, wow. And so, I mean, they stayed, some of them stayed for four and five years before they were adopted by other families. And yeah. so there was always other people um, that even, even to this day, we have, we joke about being a family of strays. Yes. Yeah. When, when we've had friends come through, like I texted with a friend the other day that, um, she doesn't have a lot of biological family left and the ones that are left are estranged. And she came to Thanksgiving with us once a couple of years ago. And now she just always comes to holidays. Yeah. Um, and she's bringing her boyfriend. She's like, do you think Mammy Beth will be fine with it? Yes. Bring him. It's yep. great. I love um, that. The more the merrier. And so that idea of family has always been a little looser in our family than like traditional evangelical mm -hmm. of that nuclear family to the exclusion of others. Mm -hmm. um, it's been nuclear family plus, which yeah. I think was um, a huge advantage growing up, just yes. understanding that when you have mm -hmm. a an intact family that you can show other people what family can look like, yes. you have the responsibility to demonstrate that for people. I love that nuclear family plus um i think that's some not i think i know that's similar to how i grew up as well in uh, terms i come from a very big nuclear family i'm the youngest of eight um yeah so that was just always kind of chaotic but even in the midst of that with i'm obviously being african or kenyan um just that culture is just more communal 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 than American. Yeah, I was like, why am I struggling that way? <laughs> but then American culture lends itself to be. Um, yeah. I mean, non-Western cultures tend to be that way. But, um, and so I always grew up with, uh, and my dad was an Anglican priest, so it's like, you never know who's coming to your house for dinner or like yep. whatever. And so I just kind of grew up just seeing my parents model, like being hospitable, like having someone who's down on their luck, staying at our house or doing that or so. It was like, and then, was just always instilled in me to, without even really saying anything, they, my parents just modeled it. It was okay, yeah. this is just kind of how we should be as believers, just have an open door policy. And 
I've noticed, I noticed going up that, um, the nuclear family plus mine was almost to was okay. Nuclear family, but then focus on the plus it's like, we're fine. We have this new, and then we were not fine as a nuclear family, but because we had this plus that kind of filled that void or filled in the yeah. missed the gaps. And that was really beneficial for me going up and it shaped how I see family now to where, yes, nuclear family is great, wonderful. But to me, the plus is what's so rich in my life that like, yeah, I'm close with some members of my family of origin. It's important yeah. to get together and gather um, and maintain some of the structure of our nuclear family unit. But like, for me, I'm like the outlier in my nuclear family now because my plus has become like my core family, right. truly. Yeah. And I think that's, it's been healthy for me. And both my, so some of my brothers, two of them that live here in the States, um, and then I have my twin sister that lives right by me. Uh, she has really been wonderful over like the past decade and a half of like when I became 18 or when I turned 18, I went off college and it's like, all right, Henry's chosen family is very important to him. And my sister really honors and respects that. And oh, cool. yeah, my brother had like, dip, one of my brothers had a really difficult time with it. He's like, oh, you're always picking your friends over us for this or that. And I was like, no, that's not it. But um, when I got sick and I was in the hospital, um, as you well know, but yeah, when I woke up, uh, my brother said to me, probably maybe like a week or two later, he was at my house and he was like, I didn't get your chosen family. And he said specifically my gay friends. He was like, I didn't get like how much your chosen family meant to you and why you always have such an emphasis on them. But he was like, the way I saw them show up for you, he's like, those are your family yeah. members. He's like, yeah. and he was like, and literally my brother was like, especially your gay friends. He's like, they were just rallying around you. He was like, your revoice friends, your gay friends here from Fort Worth that you grew up with. He was just like, wow he was like we could learn a lot about family from gay people and i was like come yes. on now yes. <laughs> yeah and so how would you say your um concept of a family growing up with a nuclear plus kind of impacted your concept of family now as an adult and just given your own family that you have yeah yeah the like the idea of family what you just said that like if you could define family I think it is, it's the people that show up. Yeah. Um, and, and a lot of times that's not nuclear family. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I have family members that wouldn't show up that mm -hmm. don't show up. Mm -hmm. Um, and so family for me, um, are, are the people that show up that I can call yeah. and say, this is what's going on. And they're just, what do you need? I'll meet you there. What's going yeah. on? Um, that it's that sort of commitment to one another yeah. and building that, um, has taken years. Mm -hmm. Um, like I love the, the meme that you see on Facebook every once in a while. It's like, I want to share it every time I see it, but it's like the real miracle Jesus did that no one talks about is having 12 friends, 12 in, friends in his thirties. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I love that, that one. <laughs> <laughs> that that is the miracle that 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 group of people as you become an adult and really settle into this is what life looks like it's the people that are there regardless of where they live on the planet mm -hmm. what's going on in their life if their life looks like yours or it looks nothing like yours but you maintain that trust 
and mm-hmm. that willingness to be committed to one another yeah. um, is what family looks like. And so like now, I think part of it is because of things that my parents not like intentionally or overtly said, but like I, I had the understanding that if you have the means to be able to help other people, you, you have the responsibility to do so. Yes. And so like, as soon as I was settled enough in my career in education, I bought a house and it had an extra bedroom that it wasn't a guest room that was just going to sit there and look mm-hmm. pretty until friends came in town. I have a place that people can sleep who otherwise won't have a bed that needs to be filled by someone who needs that bed. Yes. And so fostering became a goal and then it mm-hmm. was foster to adopt. And so I ended up, my, my goal was to adopt, um, minority teenagers, uh, cause I was at a school that had an incredible support system for kids who would be coming from environments like that. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to adopt the kids that nobody else wanted. Mm-hmm. Um, and God was really funny cause he has a great sense of humor and I ended up with two white kids yeah uh toddlers not even teenagers two toddlers a baby and a toddler um but having them has changed even my understanding of family because they were with a foster family before they were placed with me Mm -hmm. who has just continued to include us in their family i love that we when we moved from louisville they gave us a key that the keychain was a picture of their family. And they're like, we want you to remember that no matter where you are, you're part of our family. Here's a key to our house. Oh, be don't here. Make me cry. You know? I mean, they, they still, it's been, you know, I adopted the kids six years ago and they still send them birthday and Christmas presents that I love that. Yeah. My kids refer to their kids as their extra siblings. And, yeah. and so just, it's become a natural part of our lives so that my friends who love me and love my kids because like let's be real there are people who are like i love you i'm friends Uh, with you not so much your kids yeah right Mm -hmm. um and i have friends like that and they're like i will support you in any way i can as long as it doesn't require like keeping your kids Mm -hmm. (laughs) but then i have friends who do like the aunt and uncle thing and they love my kids as an expression of loving me. Yes, absolutely. And that is, I mean, they're, those friends are the ones that my kids call aunt and uncle. And, uncle, and, yeah. and a lot of times it, it is, it's the gay community, the queer community in Chattanooga that those are the people, my single friends that do that. And then I have married friends who, you know, my kids don't have a dad, I'm a single parent. Yeah. And so I have friends whose husbands have committed to being those active men in their life um, to kind of show them what dads are supposed to do. Yeah, that is healthy. I love that. So as we're talking about both of our outlooks on it, um, what family means to us and reclaiming it. Yeah, I really agree. I wrote this down when you said it. If you have the means to help other people, you have the responsibility to do so. Wow, that is, I mean, I think that's just such a part of what the gospel is in action, yeah. Um, love one another because, and I, I, I always, I say that too. And I was like, if you have the ability to do something, if you see a wrong that needs to be righted, I feel, I do feel the sense of it's a personal duty as well. I genuinely right. feel that way. So when you said that, that really hit home to me. It's like, because how can you not? Like, if you can do something about something, why would you not? Yeah, if you're capable of doing it. 
I mean, because that is the gospel. Yeah. If you want the most practical way to live out the gospel for people, it's bringing them in to a place that is welcoming and loving and secure when they didn't have that otherwise. Yeah. Because that's what God did for us. So living out the gospel seems yeah. like that's what that is. Okay. I love that. Um, another, I just wrote down another question. So as we moving into the chosen family conversation, I want to just quickly go back to the pain that people experience when their family, family of origin or nuclear family, um, lets them down or throws them out or disappoints yeah. them. And that does happen. And so many times I feel like people just get stuck there and don't move forward. So have you ever seen that? Maybe not in your life, but the lives of those around you where a family of origin has really disappointed them, not shown up, and it just kind of leaves people stuck and maybe bitter towards the whole concept of family as a whole? Yeah. Yeah, and I've had, I mean, I have situations like that um, in in my family. My, my brother is estranged um, from all of us, and it's something that is just incredibly painful, you know? It's yeah. like when you've got that shared history with someone and then you think that there is something anything that could break that bond mm -hmm. and then to put on top of that the thing that they have decided is powerful enough to break that bond is who you are as an individual mm -hmm. um it it's devastating it's because there's not anything that you can do to change that to change who you are yeah and you're for sure probably not going to change their mind about yeah. it um that realizing that the essence of who you are as a person is what that other person sees as a bridge they can't cross yeah um it it breaks you and so being able to find people who are going to fill in that gap like they don't replace family mm -hmm. um that's that's the thing that i think it's important to acknowledge is that as great and amazing as chosen family is it's still not biological family not mm -hmm. that that's better it's just they're not the same yeah so it's going to be a different kind of relationship and i think that's important for people to to understand is that in ways it can be better it can mm -hmm. be closer it can be more committed um there is something just unspoken and different about the relationships with people that you have grown up with yes. as opposed to people that come into your life later yes um just because of that shared history and that's not something that you can make up yeah you can't manufacture that again right but it, yeah. it starts and you can start those relationships because like at this point my my ripe old age of in my 40s like i have friends that i'm I am still friends with that it's like oh we've been friends for 30 years yeah because we met in middle school yeah. like that's a lifetime that is yeah. a time to build family but yeah. it doesn't take 30 years to build a family-like relationship with people. no um and i think sometimes that's what trips people up when they realize my my family of origin has rejected me i'm never gonna have that kind of connection with people again mm -hmm. and it's like no you absolutely can it just takes time time yeah but you can get those close relationships have a commitment because it can be a verbal commitment yeah i am committing to these people 
and then you put the time in yeah. so that the depth and the intimacy matches the verbal commitment that yeah. you've made. That's so fun. You said that right before, like after I wrote down commitment to forming that because yeah. it takes, you and I are always on the same wavelength <laughs> whenever we speak. That's right. I love it. But yeah, and I think when a disappointment comes, oh, you said two things that were brilliant. Um, one, about you can't, you can't replace the bonds and the history you have with your family of origin. Um, and I found as I've gotten older too, there is a certain pull to my family of origin. I don't know. I started experiencing this about yeah. maybe 29, 30, and I'm about to be 34 in a couple of weeks. But um, to where I started feeling like, almost like it's a weird, but a need or like a strange desire to be yeah. with my family of origin or to speak to them more. And I don't know if that just happens like life goes crazy. So you want to be grounded in something and your family of origin is familiar to you in ways that like other things aren't. Right. And a couple of weeks ago, I had a huge catering thing and I was like super stressed that day. And like the guy that normally works with me, he was there. He was only there for like a couple hours. And then I was like, I'm sure I could ask or hire someone else or ask someone else for help here who has chosen family or close friend. And then I'll, there was something about it that I was like, let me just ask my brother who lives two and a half hours away if he can drive down and help. And it was yeah. the easiest thing. Like, it was so much more comfortable and easier asking him than, yeah. like, asking someone who lives two blocks away from me. And right. I was like, wow, I wonder if that's because I'm so familiar with how I grew up with my brother and how I know him. So it's like some things are just unspoken. Like, I put out a distress call. I didn't have to say why or whatever. And he yeah. was like, hey, I'll, yeah, he's like, I'll do it. And he drove down. And I was just like, huh. That's cool. Yeah, and I was, and we didn't always have that relationship, but I feel like the older I've gotten, we've all just been understanding the yeah. pull that we have. Um, and Lord, my siblings and I are a hot mess all the time. So yeah, <laughs> that does not negate that. But um, it's something worth noting for me that as I've gotten older and my family, my chosen family has grown, and it's largely my family unit that I operate in, there is still such a desire and a pull towards my family of origin that I think is just a natural part when you grow up with people who have known you in different ways than yeah. even someone you've known for 20 years can't. Absolutely. And, and that's a, something I encourage people with is like, if you have family that is staunchly legalistic, conservative, like they have a side X kind of understanding of um, being queer and they're like, listen, you're either going to, stop using this language, quit describing yourself as gay, or you're cut off from the family. Mm -hmm. um, we still have people <laughs> that face that. It's not enough to be celibate. You also have to use the right words yes. or you can't be part of the family. Um, that it may be your direct immediate family. Your parents might be like that. Mm -hmm. But I encourage people to really pray and look at those who are in maybe their more extended family who you may not have had a tight relationship with growing up, but they're still family. Maybe you have a yeah. cousin or an aunt or an uncle or someone that might surprise you in their desire to know and to connect with you. And mm -hmm. so take that time to see if you can find people who are in your biological family that, that are going to provide that family connection and kind of safe place yeah. that there's a good possibility you may find them in surprising places yeah 
I love that. That's so true because it's like just because they're not maybe the ideal thing, but it's like, oh, maybe it's a cousin or an aunt or something that's just like, oh, they can yeah. fill that void and fill that need. And so I love yeah. that. Let's see what else I write down. So I wanted to go back to the commitment to forming chosen family and what that um what does that has looked like for you? And because I think sometimes whenever people who were kind of starting to form chosen family, they look they could look at other people who have that like, man, I'm never going to have that. Like, how do they get there? It's like like our friend Art, who just celebrated 10 years with his uh, chosen brother, Nick. Um, it's people are like, man, that's great. But it's like people don't see the work that it took for Art and Nick to get right. there. And it's a commitment. And so how, how does that look like for you in terms of commitment? And what would you advise someone to do in terms of commitment? Yeah, I, I think the most important thing, and it's something that Art says all the time about his relationships with chosen family and with Nick, is that if you're going to commit to be in a relationship with people, you have to be willing to forgive. I mean, that's that's just the biggest part of it if you think that friendship and especially like chosen family level commitment yeah. means that you always get along there are never going to be difficulties mm -hmm. you probably have a pretty shallow relationship i mean the more intimately you know people there are going to be times that things bring about conflict i mean the more real you get with people the more opportunity there is for you to hurt their feelings yeah. for them to hurt your feelings absolutely and Sorry. <laughs> yes. Hi, Josh. I was like, what is this intrusive voice Preach. in my head? And I was like, oh, that was not in my head. It was. That's right. <laughs> I like how he unmuted just to say that. That's right. I love our ghost commentator that shows yes, up every once that in a while. Yeah, so funny. Yeah, but I mean, you don't you don't have a a family depth relationship if you never have conflict with somebody. Yes, absolutely. And so you have to be willing to say, "I am going to be your friend. I'm going to be committed to this relationship, regardless." And that does not mean you stay in abusive, toxic. No, do not. Yeah, hear say nothing but this yeah. This is a mutual give and take. You mm -hmm. hurt my feelings. I hurt your feelings. We both love Jesus and love each other. We're just imperfect, fallen, broken people, and yeah. we're gonna hurt each other, and yeah. we have to work through that. Josh just typed in arguments are evidence of intimacy. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, one of my favorite examples of it, of like making an agreement ahead of time was when I went to seminary um, and a friend of mine was also going same place, same time. And we just went ahead and decided we were going to be roommates when we got there. Mm -hmm. And the commitment that we made was we are going to stay roommates until we graduate or if one of us gets married. It wasn't going to be, oh, this isn't just going to, it's just not going to work out. Like we just aren't really compatible. It was either going to be major life change yeah. or we finish school. Mm. And that commitment kept us together in a way that was good for our friendship, but it was also good for us as just people in general, because we did, we had some knockdown drag out fights. Yeah. But because we had made that commitment, we had to work through them. We couldn't yes. just say, well, I'm checked out you and yeah. move out, find a new roommate. Yeah. Because when you do that, you're just setting yourself up for a pattern of, well, when this gets hard, I leave. I leave. Yes. And, and so like, you want to work through those things to mm -hmm. learn how to be committed. Yeah. Because staying 
when commitment means staying when it's hard, not just when it's easy. Right. And I think a lot of people they can very they can easily give up and it's like, oh, this isn't hard. This is too hard or this isn't fun anymore. I don't want to deal with this. Like, hey, and I was like, that's not how it works. It's like even when and it does not mean staying when it's unhealthy or toxic. That's a different thing. So I also don't want exactly. you to hear that. But um it means like, hey, if this is uncomfortable, like I can lean into this. And on the other side of that, there's growth. And I think there's wisdom in staying when it's hard. Because if you don't learn how to stay when it's hard, it's like, how are you ever going to form actual, like, lasting depth and commitment with anybody? Right, right. And because, and I think that's a key to chosen family. Is yeah. I am, like, you're stuck with your biological family. Yeah. You can be estranged from them. You, you cannot change your DNA. Yeah. They are family at the end of the day, whether you have any relationship or not. Yeah chosen family you have to find something else to be that yes. draw and that connection and it has to just be a relational commitment yep and i think so many people just see the fun side of chosen family and don't think that like right. yeah i think fam chosen family is a risk because people can just change your mind at any time and so right. i think it's a bigger risk in certain ways because like like my biological sister, she can't ever stop being my sister. She might not like me. She might not talk right. to me, but like, which is her and I are very close, but it's just like, she's regardless of how close we are or not, she's my sister. Right. Like, but as chosen family, somebody can just check out. So there is a risk of getting hurt. And yeah. which leads me to my next uh, point or just a uh, thought. Um, when chosen family does decide to leave. And they decide not to stay. And just the pain that comes with that and the heartbreak and the feelings of failure or guilt. Because, like, I went through something in my... I've been through a couple of, like, friendship breakups that were really difficult. Um, and one of them was, gosh, 2018 or so, five two years ago. And it was like, man, this is somebody that, like, always going to be there. We're willing to work through the hard things. And then we got to a place where, like, they just weren't and for a season and I wasn't either. And it was like, I mean, I was crushed. It was heartbreaking. And then on the other side of that, two years later, me and this it was actually right before Revoice, uh, 2019 or 20, because I was driving to St. Louis. So I want to say 19. And I was like, look, we need to sit down and talk this shit out because like, if we actually literally committed to each other, we've had a hard year and yeah. it's been heartbreaking for both of us. But if we actually meet, met this commitment to one another, let's figure this out. And even now the uh, commitment or the chosen familyness aspect of our friendship doesn't look the same, but it's still there. We are just now committed to each other in different ways. Not small for the, like the, it's not the little touches of life anymore, but it's still the big ones. It's still yeah. the family dinners, the holidays, the kids' birthdays, that. Like we're still showing up for that. Um, and then I had one that, so that was able to be redeemed. Then I had a chosen family one that just blew up and both of us were like, I mean, it's easy for me to place blame on that person because they did something super crazy. But I can also acknowledge how I showed up in that dynamic that was probably unhealthy. But when that chosen family relationship was severed and like there's no chance ever that me and this person are ever going to be brothers to each other again. Yeah. And that's a hurt that I carry. But it can and that for a while it had me jaded for a little while so I was like I don't want to make any more close friends I don't want to add somebody else like this is just too painful and too hard but over time I had to learn that okay 
people are going to hurt you and sometimes it doesn't work out and that's right. okay. Yeah. But like I have this feelings of shame and guilt. And so what are your thoughts on just when the chosen family doesn't work out sometimes? There are times that like biological family doesn't work mm -hmm. out. And that's yeah. like going back and trying to compare because we sometimes think of chosen family as like trying to replace or to fill a gap that we may have mm -hmm. lost with chosen yeah. family. And anytime you have that intimacy, there's that risk of hurt and heartbreak and an ending to relationships. And mm -hmm. sometimes you just have to give a lot of grace. Um, yeah. There are, there are relationships that survive and stick through um a lot like the yeah the huge changes in life that you're gonna mm -hmm. weather friends getting married and having kids and doing those sorts of things and your friendship will be there because you recognize that the relationship is going to change because of yeah. the added things in life um some people aren't willing to make those adjustments and so that ends up being a really difficult thing is when a person says i can only have a friendship with you if it looks like this mm -hmm. and then life circumstances change um it it can be incredibly painful and i mean i've learned that in those times you have to understand what it looks like to grieve those relationships mm -hmm. and really be at peace with how they ended and sometimes even why they ended yeah um and also be at peace with maybe not necessarily knowing, knowing. why. Woo! Girl, yeah. that one. Um, <laughs> that's that's the hardest one. Like that one. I, I have I have friends that I was tight with in seminary, and then we were incredibly close for years. And then around 2018, 2019, as I started getting more involved in vocal with Revoice, they sort of drifted away and mm -hmm. the relationship became very like there was clearly a wall and then it was not having time and then it was not you know returning phone calls or i don't have time to do this and then they just sort of disappeared mm -hmm. and it's like so is there something going on in your life is this a response to the work that i'm doing is that just a coincidence and i'm being all like up in my own head thinking that it's all about me when it's not but being able to think I really miss that person and I cannot pinpoint like there wasn't a fight. There wasn't a disagreement. They just sort of disappeared. Yeah. And it's like, how do you, how do you deal with those things? And I mean, it sounds cliche, but a lot of it is I, I have to just keep handing it to Jesus. And mm -hmm. like, when I think of those people, I, I am grieved to, I mean, like I have one, I actually I reached out and, sent her a message on Instagram last night because I saw something that just so blatantly reminded me of her. And mm -hmm. I was like, I just, I, I needed her to know that regardless of what had happened in our relationship, that I still thought of her and that I missed, like I wanted to reach out mm -hmm. and just see if there was something, you know? Yeah. And, and the reply was very formal of you know thanks i hope you're doing well like yeah. no connection and it was like okay God. like it's just that reminder of it's not me yeah <laughs> right? Man. And, and, and sometimes that that gives peace but yeah like a lot of it is just learning to be okay 
walking with those hurts and those heartaches yeah and continuing to just move on and to make new friendships and yeah. to see who it is that the Lord has brought around you at that yeah. time and learning how to make relationships with them. Yes. God, that's so good because yeah, when you don't know, and then what all that has taught me is like, sometimes we have this idea of like, we need closure and a perfect understanding or whatever. And yeah. it's taught me that sometimes you don't get closure and you don't get answers and that's okay. Yeah. Yeah. Woo. Cause yeah. I'm, yeah. And that conflict, I mean, conflict that cannot be resolved can be okay. And it doesn't have to end in some huge dramatic blow way. up yeah. friend breakup kind of thing. Yeah. Like when I, when I used to teach, um, Bible, the example that I used all the time when we would go through Pauline epistles, we would do acts alongside it. And yeah. we talked about Paul and Barnabas breaking up mm -hmm. <laughs> and that, it could have been this big, ugly thing that they had this relationship with John Mark that was splitting them. And they could have been mm -hmm. like, well, fine, you do this. And, you know, like talk smack about each other and blow it up the way we tend to do friendships today. And it, I mean, from reading acts, it seems like it was a little spicy and how they, yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, but they didn't blow up the relationship and damage their testimonies. Mm -hmm. Paul went his way and he grabbed Silas and they went and did their thing. Barnabas took John Mark and they went their way and they yeah. both maintained their relationships. They maintained who they were in Christ and they kept doing the work so that by the end of Paul's life, he was reunited with John Mark and talked about how vital he was to his ministry. I love that. And like it is possible to say at this time our friendship just isn't it isn't what it was mm -hmm. um but that doesn't mean like you have some moral flaw as a person yeah we're, just, we're on different paths right now yeah and i wish you the best and if our paths cross again praise be to yes. god but you don't have to break up in order for a relationship to to change yes i love that and that's such a way it's like how do you honor someone and yeah. I think that's a way to honor someone who was important to you at one point in your life. And maybe things just changed, but it doesn't mean that like, yeah, you slander the person or this or that or whatever. And so I love that. Yeah. And since you brought up uh, biblical examples of that, um, can you just give us a, maybe if you had a talk or something that involved what chosen family looked like in the Bible? Yeah. I do. That's one of these days. If I ever have time to write a book, that's, that's the book that's going to get written yeah. is that biblical, the idea of biblical family. And then it's supposed to be a mom and a dad and all their biological children. Like that's not actually in the Bible. Yeah. Like, the, the only family that looks like that literally in the Bible is Adam and Eve and they didn't have kids till after they sinned. And then the first one killed the second one. Yeah. <laughs> so, like there is no biblical example other than here's the ideal that God intended. Yeah. Um, but we don't live in an ideal world. No. And so all of the other examples of family in scripture um, are people doing the best they have with what they've got. Mm -hmm. 
So you've got, you know, Abraham who has his nephew Lot that he brings in because he has no children. And so Lot kind of becomes his, his heir apparent and he does all of his work with his nephew, which you'd have to assume then that means that Lot's father, something had happened to him. So Abraham kind of unofficially adopts him. Yeah. So they have this chosen family arrangement. Um, you've got Esther and Mordecai, her uncle. So again, you've got someone who has been orphaned, who is taken in by another family member. Um, Ruth and Naomi are a mother-in-law and a daughter whose husband has died. So you've got a mother-in-law and a daughter-in-law without the son or the husband that connected them, making a verbal commitment to yeah. one another. Um, David and Jonathan have the same kind of commitment of your family will be my family and my family will yeah. be yours. So that after Jonathan dies, David takes his son and makes him a part of his family so that he mm -hmm. sits at the royal table. There are all these examples of. Come on now, family, love that. Yeah, of family being a thing that you choose to be a part of. Mm -hmm. I mean, even Jesus has this stepfather, Joseph, right? Yeah. Who, takes care of him, loves him as his own. He has half siblings. And then while he's on the cross, he is giving his mother to his best friend and making a verbal commitment kind of for them. Like I am yeah. willing my mother to you, you are mm -hmm. now her son. Um, that making that commitment and then living it out is the example of family that we see in scripture. Love that. Um, and, and that is what we have a lot of detail and a lot of instruction in building family are those chosen families. Because ultimately when you're looking at like the grand narrative of scripture, since we just finished our little theological study yes. that in glorification, in the consummation of everything that God intends, biological family, it, it doesn't register into the economy of eternity. Uh -huh. It's our spiritual family, those who are adopted yes. into the family of God through our brother Jesus, yeah. who are the ones that that relationship, yeah. I'm, I'm not, you know, in eternity, my kids are going to know that I'm their mom, Yeah. but we are going to be siblings in Christ and yes. we will interact with one another as siblings. Those yeah. relational things that were here on earth are transcended Yes. When we get to eternity. And so as we look at one another as adopted family, as chosen family, and we see one another as siblings as opposed to competition or yeah. <laughs> sexual partners or whatever else that we tend to first view people as, um, we're getting a little closer to what eternity is going to be like when we understand that chosen family is really what should be the primary goal of Christians. Yes. Oh, I love that. I mean, oh, back about the word. Exactly. Thank you for that. Exegete the text. Come on now. <laughs> um, I, I I always love telling the straights. I'm like, hey, you won't be married in heaven, just so you know. Yeah. <laughs> like, yes, you will not have a husband or wife in heaven. So calm down just a little yeah, bit. <laughs> you're going to have an adjustment period and I will already have it figured out. Exactly. So I'm just ahead of the game. <laughs> I love that. Um, I think that's a great place to end, but any final thoughts you have on just chosen family or advice you have for our listeners? Yeah. Advice is to just don't let the fear of being hurt keep you isolated. If yeah. you know you need family, 
you know that hurt is going to come with it. Yeah. Grief is going to come with it because hurt and grief are just reflections of love and commitment. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And so to the amount that you could be hurt is the amount that you're willing to love. And yes. So be willing to put yourself out there and find those people, even though it may take time. Yeah. Um, it's worth the effort. Yeah. I would say, yeah, my final advice or comment on that, very similar to that. It's like, be willing to commit and be willing to do the work. Nothing yeah. like that comes easy. It'll take time and commitment. But you will find those people like, okay, like what did they say to you, Evan Hansen? You will be found. Okay. That's right. <laughs> yes. That's right. Yes. It, it does happen. Oh my gosh. Well, thanks so much for just taking the time to have this conversation. Yes, always. Uh, I found that really, really a pleasure well. way to start my Thursday morning here. So. That's right. Okay. Appreciate it.